welcome to Carrots and Suffering. I am Nate, and I will eventually be your dungeon master after these words that are probably also Nate. Before I get started, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay? Last time on Carrots and Suffering. Our heroes got back to find out that Mentor is suspicious, and in their absence, he's sent an agent to investigate, so our heroes get into disguise. There is a house mentor agent on the property. Shit. Jalen goes, can you look like somebody else? Not in the best way possible, but in a temporary way. That might be good, because you're supposed to be in town at court, right? Our heroes also learn that a terrible assault has occurred on one of the houses by Thorn's Beasts, and Lorelei Varathy, the villainous aunt of Sable who attempted to have her killed, was herself murdered. Details aren't great. But some kind of Thorns Beast attacked House Drury. Yeah, several champions were killed, and Lorelei Varathy's dead. Holy shit. Sable tried to go home and ended up stumbling into a funeral where Yennefer Varathy, the 200-year-old druid who emerged from the Thorns recently and took the Baroness title from Sable, was showing off her power and about to reincarnate the dead Lorelei. What of Master Wu? Master Wu is a gardener, dear. Lorelei Varathy is a core asset to both our house and the Drury's. I suspect I can turn this into more gold than the house has had in its coffers in three generations. Just makes sense. Wouldn't she also be, in essence, your enemy? Not if she brings her back from yeah, the dead. Yeah, not if she brings her back from the dead. I get that, but... Yeah. I suspect she will be grateful. Maybe she'll return to the house where she belongs. <laughs> but she hates me. <laughs> Jalen began a plan to use fairy trees to surround House Lunari and end the need for thorns cutting, the kingdom's most dangerous and thankless job. They're fey trees, and the pact surrounding them is that they are the memory keepers for humans because our memories are short, because we don't live very long. And the thorns give them a 50-foot radius. Jessica Evans, Jalen's aggressive narcissistic sister, hit it off with Iris Lunari, and the two went off on a little date. And Jessica cocks her head to the side and just knees him in the junk. (laughs) No, Jessica, you're going to need that later. You might want it. You might want it. (laughs) Sable was enlisted by Yennefer Varathy to use a magic amulet that senses fairy magic to find new recruits. She bumps into a sickly-looking scribe and a blinding flash of light rolls through this amulet. Oh, she's looking for fetches. Okay, let's get back into it. Hi, I'm Nate, and I will be your dungeon master. I'm Sandra. I play Sable the Druid. I'm Mandy. I play Jalen the Rogue. I'm Julie. I play Sylpha the Wizard. Sylpha would have hung out in her room until... Leslie arrived at the estate so that it was safe to change back into herself. I think you hear people arrive and you assume Leslie is among them. And I think when you stick your head out of your door, Miev is already walking that direction. Do you want to be Raven or Silpha? At this point, I think disguised self would have worn off and Silpha would have taken a real bath and is in some evening clothes and like pulls the door slightly ajar to see who it is. Yeah, I think Miev, and you can see behind Miev, struggling to catch up, is a slightly winded Leslie. Oh, my lady, come in. Steps in, and Leslie sort of darts in after her, and Miev kind of looks at her a little 
with a little frustration on her face. Is Jalen around? Jalen, you you have finished filling yeah, pots with I, soil. I think, I think after doing all that, and Jalen's pretty dirty, she probably would have taken a bath and or you know whatever they've got probably gone to find silfa again okay I, I think this is about the time where you're wandering into silfa's room with a towel you know over your hair she don't got no hair <laughs> you got all the blood out of your wig i think the the perk of the governess's suite is that it has its own bathing space uh, okay so yeah the four of you are in this room jessica and iris still have not come back but you assume they're okay or dead, you know. <laughs> they're happily pummeling each other. So Miev comes in, sits down on the bed. Leslie comes in and takes a stance by the wall. And Miev says, okay, how, how did it go? Did it? Did the golem work? Did everything work? Yeah. Yes, Muriel functions perfectly. Um, amazing. I mean, I mean, I knew you were back because Sable showed up at the funeral, but she seemed fine. I just needed to, to check on you. And Silpha takes a deep breath and says, Before our next excursion, there's, I think, a lot to discuss and plan, but we've become aware that time is of the essence, too. I, I want to share everything that we've learned, but I suggest that we discuss things tomorrow morning when I can properly prepare a space to be completely secure. Miev nods and says, well, it's good good to know that you're safe and you learned some things. That should be enough for me to rest easy. I'll stay the night here and we can chat in the morning. She stands up and Leslie says, but before you go, there's a, an issue. And Miev says, okay. And Leslie says, so well, well, Silva was attending the funeral, Thomas Drury came by and expressed some interesting concerns about the attack. And Miev says, hmm, Leslie, can I wait till morning? I don't want anyone to get distracted. There's a, there's a thing we really need to do. Um, and Leslie says, um, oh, uh, uh, probably. I think diplomatically, Silpha steps in and says, I agree that we cannot afford distractions to our larger plans. However, some of the things that we have learned concern things that may have an impact in town and for that reason they may bear investigating this is part of what we must discuss tomorrow and if you are comfortable lady mia i think i should like to bring leslie into this yes i guess i can trust leslie leslie you're going to keep our confidences on these things right and leslie says absolutely can I roll an insight on Leslie on that? Insight as well. I only got an eight. Uh, Sylpha got 18 plus three on this. You got it. <laughs> just roll a dice over here just to make sure anything. Lady Emiev seems to believe this. On a 21, Leslie is focused on reading Miev. And you get the impression that Leslie is saying what Miev wants to hear. Sylpha looks Leslie dead in the eyes and says confidence in this matter is of utmost importance i think leslie turns and kind of reaches out for your hands to grab them and says you have my solemn promise then lady miev did a message reach you not particularly but there was quite a show at the funeral it would seem yennefer varathy has the ability to raise the dead what lorelei varathy is alive again oh 
Sylpha latches onto the magic part of this and is like, to to raise the dead or or reincarnate them, or <laughs> she wants to know the specifics of exactly how this person was raised. Mieb turns and smiles and says, yes, I believe it was a reincarnation spell. It formed a whole new body from sort of sticks and leaves and ether. Jalen draws up and says, that sounds like what happens with the fetches. Mieb suddenly looks super concerned and rolls a dice. <laughs> She rolls a natural 20. Different spell, actually, but based on some similar principles. A fetch is a, an exact copy of a person. This is a new body, same soul. I actually would love to speak with her. I, anyway, we'll talk in the morning. First thing. And she turns and heads out, leaving Leslie there. And Leslie leans in and says, uh, I'm not going to wait till the morning. Thomas said something to you. That is very concerning and, frankly, maybe impossible. The assailant on House Drury was Lord Byron Mason. What? But, but Byron's here. Yes. There would be over a dozen witnesses to say that Byron was here. Yes. Which is why Thomas didn't tell anyone but you. Well, okay, so, y so you both have disguise magic. Is somebody doing that? So Sylpha nods solemnly while the gears are slowly turning in her head, and she says, That is one possibility. It does mean there's some kind of foul play afoot. Is this more Fairy Queen trying to make trouble for House Mason? It could be. I think I really need to know more about what happened. I sent Thomas a letter. All I knew at the time was that there was some kind of Thorns Beast attack on House Drury, and I surmised that maybe there was more to it than that. I told him that if I could offer any assistance that his family would welcome, he should ask me. Should we put some kind of guard over Byron? And I believe that is when Sable knocks on your bedroom door. Oh, Sofa opens the door. It's an unofficial meeting. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? Well, I mean, enough happened this afternoon that I came back here after dark so you have just missed the lady miev she informs us that yennefer verathi is powerful enough to resurrect the dead she is she... well to reincarnate them she did she formed a new body for lorelei who was killed at the drury's i i assume that you know about that since you know about the resurrection or the reincarnation we got word of what happened leslie was just telling us something very disturbing. According to Thomas Drury, the only witness to the assault on the Drury residence, the assailant was Byron Mason. Isn't Byron here? Of course he is. And probably has so many alibis that it's it's as ridiculous as it sounds. Probably, probably there's there's a great deal going on. I'll sit down. I'm guessing that there's like a hearth in this room. So I'll sit down there and kind of sigh. And I'll say, I assume that you've checked this room to ensure no one else is listening. Sylpha sighs deeply and says, no, I have very little resources left for the day. And I was hoping we would all meet in the morning to talk openly in a space that's truly <laughs> secure. I have nothing left. Leslie says, okay, well... To the bunks, then. Uh, or she actually, she looks at Sable and says, I um, broached the idea with Cora and Melise about the tree seeds. 
if you're willing, they're ready for you to cast your spell on them in the morning. If not, they can do it the old-fashioned way, but it would be good to do it quicker if you're okay with it. And Sylpha chimes in. I wrote a note to my father, informing him of your intentions. I, I ran into your father, briefly. He wagged his finger at me for being out late, and said that you were doing an incredible job as a scribe in the court. He practically beamed pride. Sylpha is starting to, like, bite her nails. Do you think we should be worried about more attacks tonight? Maybe not here, but in town generally. I think if there are, there isn't jack shit we can do about it, Sylpha. Mm-hmm. We can't travel it. I mean, we shouldn't risk traveling at night again. And even if we did, what can we bring to the battle at this you point? You don't have any spells. I don't know how, where Sable is. I need to fix my armor. We have to rest. We can't be everywhere. All right, I'll come see you at dawn then. Sylpha will nod to Jalen and, and Sable, like inferring that they should keep each other company. And she'll tell Jalen. So uh, Jessica really, I think, hit it off. <laughs> <laughs> With my cousin Iris? By, by hit, you mean... Oh, she literally hit him. And then... Oh, good. Need him. And as I predicted, it was the most amazing thing that ever had happened to him. Instant chemistry. <laughs> I believe they went to get a mead, but you might check in on them for your own entertainment. They're not in Jessica's room, are they? Because that's the room I'm sharing with her. I have no idea where they went, and Iris has a room at Socialize. Okay. Go ahead and roll me a d20 there, uh, Mandy. <laughs> Three. Three? That's unlucky. There's a sock on your door. She puts an ear to the door. Roll me a, a saving throw versus madness. <laughs> Actually, she'd be pretty happy about that, but she was sort of hoping to go to, to sleep. You hear some loud snoring that you recognize immediately is Jessica. Yeah, she's going to sneak in. <laughs> okay, roll me, roll me stealth. 22. Slips in like she was in the room the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> You slip in. All of the brooms in this place are bunk bed brooms, so you have your own your own bunk. Are there two sets of legs? <laughs> to get there the are, yes. Jessica is diagonal across the bed, and uh, curled into the lower corner is some other human under the blankets. Curl into the lower corner? Like, he's... <laughs> Quite happily, I'm sure. <laughs> All right. Sylpha, Sylpha, help! There's a sock on Sylpha's door. No. <laughs> She's like, Every, everyone's getting laid but me! No. <laughs> I think what Jalen's going to do is she's going to gather up her stuff and a pillow and a blanket, and I think she's going to go to, like, one of the barns. And she, cause she wants to, she wants to sit down and fix her armor too. So like, she, 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 she actually wants to do something. So I think she's gonna, she's gonna go like find a quiet spot in a barn and nest up there for the night. Okay. As you are leaving the house, Jalen, you hear a faint snapping of twigs, and there is something behind you. All, all she heard was a snapping of twigs. Yeah. <sighs> she turns around. For a moment, you're like, there's there's a small tree there, and then your eyes adjust a little bit more, and there there is Hawthorne. Oh, she was, whoa. Oh, 
Uh, ha, ha, hey, Spike. Yes, that is one of the names you've given me. We didn't expect to see you so soon. How are you? She looks down at her hand, and you, you can see thorns coming back out of it. Oh my god, it's coming back. It is not a curse so much as a enchantment, I think. Um, but relief was pleasant for a time. That's why I'm back, actually. I don't think my cure will last. Soon fairies will find out. Okay, um, I'm such the wrong person to ask about magic, like en- enchantments and curses and whatever. It's all fuckery to me. So, um, can you come inside? No, you should not come inside the house. Um, come with me. I was about to find a real quiet spot. I would be most comfortable over here. And she nods towards the meditation grove, which has a bunch of trees. <laughs> you know what? Great. Meditation Grove. I'm gonna go get Silpha. Okay, alright, I'll see you in a minute. And she's gonna run back in the house and pound on Silpha's door. <laughs> Great, there's like a wizard's hat that's lying sort of limply no, against her knob. Not. No, Oh no, oh, okay. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and she's, she's knocking like it's an urgent knock. But Silpha does answer the door in like a, a really modest covering nightgown and is like... And Jalen's like, come on. <laughs> yes get dressed oh okay warmly it's cold outside get dressed i think you'll see leslie asleep in the bed <laughs> and sofa like says okay right be back leslie had a big day pretending to be four different people yeah <laughs> i think and i think Jalen's like putting on her armor and all of her shit because she's about to be outside in the cold should i prepare for a fight no I don't think so. Oh, okay. So she comes back a few minutes later, fully dressed. She would go get Sable, too, but I don't think she knows where she is. Roll me investigation. Uh, 24. I guess she she did spend time scoping it out when she first got here, so she might- You've seen her heading down the orchard. I mean, you're pretty sure there's a worker's quarters at the bottom of the hill. That's where she's at. Okay, yeah, Jalen will lead the way and grab her hand, grab Silpha's hand if she's not moving fast enough, and then go swing by the workers' quarter and and find Sable and go Sable. Sable, sorry, yeah, get up, get dressed. There's a thing. Uh, Sable's always dressed. (laughs) True. (laughs) I says, come on. It's better than what normally happens at her house, which is get up and get naked. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I can't. They tell Sable to get naked. They're always telling Jayla, like, put some fucking clothes on. <laughs> she, so she leads the way to the meditation grove and says, um, Spike? You hear from behind a tree. I'm here. It's just the three of us. Didn't expect her to come visit us so soon. Yeah, be careful, because uh, it, it's coming back. The, the, the thorn, the spikes are coming back. Look, Spike, come on, it's okay. Show, show her. She steps out, and whereas just probably 20 minutes ago, her hand had a few spikes coming out of it. There's a spot forming on her face where some of the spikes are coming out now, too. God, it's happening fast. Silpha takes her hand, and her eyes kind of start to well with tears. Do you mean it It didn't really work? It worked for a time. I suspect that it will be many years before I have paid the fairy debt that comes with breaking this kind of agreement. And so it comes back, 
perhaps poor, more powerful magic would solve this problem, but I do not have it. Hawthorne, I'm I'm so sorry. I I can't do anything about this right now. Maybe tomorrow it will be back. I can stay in my tree in hiding for as long as I can. How's your tree? It is much how I left it. The one nice thing about this thorn's curse is that the destructive tendencies of your kind are nowhere near my tree, and so it has remained intact, undefended, for a century. Is part of what is returning the madness as well? Or have you your faculties? No, the madness seemed to be a consequence of the vampire blood. I think it is out of my system now. This is good at least. I wanted you to know that I will have to hide. And she reaches down to the dirt and draws a kind of map. And she says, if you need me, this is where I am. And fairly deep in the thorns, directly east, not in a direction you intend to go, is Hawthorne's tree. I had hoped maybe you could give a statement to my father and maybe find some measure of protection here. I, I had a thought about how to protect you. So I've watched the workers in the orchard, and sometimes when a tree is of exceptionally hardy stock but doesn't produce, they will take branches that produce and graft it to the hardy stock. Likewise, sometimes they take branches of some of the best-producing trees and, and root them to make new trees. I thought, perhaps if you brought us a few branches from your tree, you could have more than one home. This is worth a try. And she turns and touches the tree, one, one of these meditation trees. And it's as if a sort of tear opens in the space between the tree and the air. Mm -hmm. And she is pulled into it in a way that makes her look very flat as she disappears into the tree. And about four or five minutes go by, and the tear slides back open, and she steps out of it and is holding two sticks. And she says, these, I cannot hurt my tree to produce more sticks, but these two I could, I could take. And she gives you two pieces of green live branch extensions, little twigs almost. May I? She hands them to you. I'm just going to like kind of feel them magically to see if they seem like something that would be able to root on its own. You could do a kind of kind of tree implant, possibly. Mm -hmm. This isn't the right time of year to try it, so it'd be risky. But with a plant growth spell, you could you could probably make it happen, mm -hmm. grafting bits of this tree into another one. Well, and what Silpha was suggesting was essentially cloning her tree. So mm -hmm. having the branches take root so that she has more than yeah. one identical tree. Definitely want to use magic because the time of right. year is not right. Yes. And everything in Fenrir that was miraculously blooming even late into autumn is not now. Mm-hmm. So we have to abide the normal seasonal rules. I think I could do something with these. Then even if fairies found you, Hawthorne, and they sent someone after your tree, you would have more than one place to be. This would be a great service. I must return to my tree for the night, but I will try to join this new tree tomorrow. And she slips through some kind of tree portal 
a second time and is gone. And I'll do what I need to keep these twigs safe and alive for the evening. You put them in a little bit of water and inside and you can plant them in the morning and plant growth them and mm-hmm. see what happens. Thank you, Sable. I mean, I think once we part ways, Jalen's just going to go to her nook in the barn that she was going to sleep in and crash. Okay. Same with Sable. She's going to go rest. It's been a bit of a long day. Silpha. It's like, my friends are sleeping outside. What? (laughs) (laughs) So I think Silpha's mindset was rather shaken after seeing Hawthorne's curse returning. And she's feeling a little melancholy about it and is now wide awake. So she'll spend more time amending the letter to Leslie, which describes what we learned about the Masons and what we did in the Mason crypt. And she will amend it with some new information about Yennefer Verathi as a new political force that warrants extreme caution and kind of describes her nature. And then at the end of the letter, she'll write, With current events being what they are, I feel we haven't had much opportunity to discuss between ourselves what a future together might look like. I would like to remedy this, and I would like you to know that while our project is very important to me, you are important to me as well. Please let me know if there is something that we might do together that would make you feel special. Out of character, isn't Leslie sleeping in Silpha's bed? She is. Okay. So Silpha will will fold up the letter and then try to return to her room without disturbing Leslie's sleep. I'm sure that when she returns to the room, the warm spot where she had been laying is now like taken up by a cat. And so she has to crawl in on the other side of Leslie. (laughs) And you know Scrix is awake when you come in, but the cat does not move. (laughs) (laughs) Even spiritual cats are cats. (laughs) The question is, are Scrix and Leslie snuggling? I don't think so. I think Scrix is just out of reach. Uh but taking up a full half of the bed for sure. Sylpha will will snuggle in on the other side of Leslie and say, Leslie, Mm. is it okay if I put my head here? She'll like just lay her head right on Leslie's chest and kind of snuggle in. Mm Mm-hmm. So in in the wee hours of the morning, the door to Sable's workers' quarters squeaks open very lightly. Sable, give me a disadvantaged perception roll. Fourteen. I did pretty good, even with disadvantage. I rolled a ten and a thirteen, so that's not bad. Cool. You wake up in time to see a tall, skinny, feminine form slide a note under your boots at the foot of your bunk and turn and walk out. Okay. I stay perfectly still because I'm still not sure if there are assassins out there. <laughs> but I'm guessing I recognize the form. Yeah, it's very likely Cora. Uh-huh. I'm going to let her leave and give it a like a minute to make sure she's actually away and then I will see what she put in my boots. You have a note. It is under your boot, folded up nice and it's not sealed, but it has like a little ribbon stuck to it. Okay. I'm not going to open it with a bunch of people around, so I'll take it out. I'm guessing the me- she's going to be in the meditation space, so I'm not going to go there, but I can move away from people and into the orchard and open it. Okay. The penmanship is such that you can tell immediately this letter has been rewritten several times. This is a, a late draft, and it says Sable. 
I believe in fate. For you and me, it seemed the stars aligned. You, a girl with poisoned skin, and me, the girl who has never felt the sting of venom. The night we danced, I knew we were meant for each other. When you were named Baroness, I was certain you would look me over, but instead we danced. The whole room's eyes were on us, as every move felt right. It was perfect. I now know that you didn't fall in love the same as me, and I think I understand why. I don't think there's anything that I can do to give you the same moment that I had that fateful night, but I would like to try. When you are done with this project you're working on, I want another chance. Perhaps we can dance without an audience this time, and maybe someone will name me Baroness for the night. Perhaps it's an idle dream, but if you do me the honor of this dance, I would certainly feel like a woman wearing the crown jewels. <laughs> Sincerely, Cora Lunari. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Sable has no idea what to do with that. She is just Sable like... Sable turns scarlet all alone. She's just like, I... Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> she tucks that thing away and is going to have to think on it for a while. She, I mean, she has no idea what to do with somebody that like actually likes her. Plus, it had never occurred to her that she might actually be capable of touching Sable. So, she is just flabbergasted she doesn't know what to do with it oh god she's gonna hide that in the bottom of her pouch and think about it later okay it's a beautiful morning there's some smoke on the horizon to the south but other than that it seems <laughs> we're like smoke 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 on the horizon what the fuck <laughs> what is that direction that would be lady miev's property oh god oh shit and that's fairly close to the Lunari estate. Is it like close enough to smell it? The Lunari estate is actually on Miev's property, but the portion where the smoke is is very far south. So it's. I want to pause and say that we do know how she had to get to the East Cottage the last time, and that was burn a whole bunch of thorns, put the fire out, and then walk in. So right. that's what that could be right now. That's true. Yeah, because she oh, has to do okay. like the sleet storm to put it out. Mm -hmm. So that might be what we're saying. Are we seeing clouds over there? Like <laughs> like a sleet storm uh, Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, there's definitely <laughs> some smoke, maybe some steam. Hard to say. I'll just shake my head and head inside because I know that we're supposed to be, all be meeting. Jayla will wake up when the rooster crows and get dressed. And she's going to like bundle up the blanket and pillow and leave it in the barn because she... She's probably going to come back to that spot. Sofa would probably rise before the the first light because she has an agenda for the day. I also think she's incapable of not doting on people she is in a relationship with. So Leslie is going to get a cup of tea and a piece of buttered toast with honey Aww. set on the nightstand beside her along with this letter. When you step into the kitchen to grab your tea and toast... There are several kitchen staff workers that are already up making food. And when you step in, it's a, it's a little strange because you see Jessica Evans in full armor trying to bake a muffin and the kitchen staff on the far side of the kitchen just panicked. <laughs> trying to stay out of her way. There's like burnt muffin smell. There's... Oh, God, Jessica. Really poorly mixed dough all over the counter. <laughs> It's a disaster. <laughs> Jessica, I I see you're you're exploring learning new talents. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I've seen this done like a thousand times. I can do it. Was there something in particular that inspired you to bake muffins this morning? Yeah, Iris said he likes muffins. 
And she turns around and she has this tray kind of made up <laughs> and it is, it is a disaster. So she's got one muffin that is just charcoal and one that is like pudding in the middle and clearly like falling apart. Oh my God. She's got a giant slab of butter next to it. And then, like, has thrown on a strip of bacon just because. And he's so totally going to eat that, too. He's going to eat it. He's going to eat every bite. <laughs> so it gets, like, this kind of strangely pitying look. I'm going to go ahead and give her an insight roll. <laughs> She's got a minus one, though. Oh, she rolls a nat 20. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Jessica looks down at her muffins and looks up at you, and she's like, do you think they're good? Maybe I better start over. Well, I think I think it's the effort that matters here. And she'll take one of these charred, dry, terrible muffins and eat a small corner of it. Do I need mm-hmm. to do like a constitution saving throw or something? <laughs> you might need to do a will save. <laughs> yeah. You nibble a chunk of just absolute carbonized blackened gunk off the side of it. Oh. And you reveal an inside that is bone dry. Well, these are very thoroughly cooked. There's no doughy spots. Oh, good. Thanks. I I think, honestly, there could be some more practice. You know, you could you could hone this a little more, but uh, I, I think I can help you out. I do this with my mother's cooking all the time. <laughs> She's going to prestidigitate this muffin <laughs> so that it tastes like something appealing. Okay. Tell him it's not the looks that matter. Okay, you make it taste like banana bread or something, and she... It's a banana nut muffin now. Bananas are very exotic in this kingdom. You should tell him you like bananas. <laughs> and away she goes. Oh, uh, oh, skipping out of the kitchen. Oh, my gosh. Uh, she doesn't actually skip out of the kitchen, but her normal combat boot stomp does seem to have a lighter edge to it. Does the kitchen staff immediately breathe a sigh of relief? Oh, yeah. No, there's a huge sigh of relief through the whole kitchen. They get back to actual work, and someone tries to clean up the horrendous mess that Jessica made. Sofa will, will help them by prestidigitating the mess. These are my friends, after all. <laughs> <laughs> Some really badly mixed dough is just all over. Oh so my god. It, it takes you about a minute to get it cleaned up with magic. It's time for Fairy Facts, and today we bring you the Will of the Wisp, or as I call it, a Willow Wisp. It's a real mixed bag of fairy lore, and that's because this phenomenon is unexplained lights floating in the distance. It's actually global, and there is a scientific explanation for it. Light is sort of produced by decay in methane gases. But this is not science facts. This is fairy facts. So the British named these pixie lights and attributed them to the illusions made by pixies to lead people astray in their usual mischievous ways. Particularly sinister fairies might leap over a chasm with their light, leading the person right up to it, and then, of course, blowing out their light, thus potentially dooming them. Or they might light up their lamp near the sea and crash ships who mistake these little lights for lighthouses. In some lore, it's not actually a pixie, but a lost spirit, perhaps the soul of a human. The trick to dealing with a will-o'-the-wisp is to do two things. First, turn your clothes inside out. This is a common defense against fairies in the spirit world. They don't like inside-out clothes. Second, place a knife in the ground blade up, and if it's the lost soul variety, it will try to end its existence 
by attacking the knife. Generally, though, don't follow bobbing lamps into the dark, and you should be fine. All right, let's get back to it. So, the party can, in fact, come back together. Although, I think, Sylvia, you had, like, wanted to set up a space and stuff, Yes, right? so... When Leslie starts to stir, she's going to find Silpha sitting at her desk poring over some last-minute notes, and Silpha notices, and, good, you're awake. Do you want to learn how to cast a spell? Leslie immediately flutters her eyes open and bolts upright. Yes? (laughs) Okay, I've been working out this one for weeks. It creates a private sanctum that's secure against both magical scrying and mundane eavesdropping. That sounds amazing. It lasts for an entire day. Leslie crawls out of the bed and gives a big standing cat stretch and then says, okay, I'm ready, let's do it. And if you cast it at the same spot repeatedly, I'm told it becomes permanent. That's fantastic. Then Sylphil hands her some sheaves of notes and is like, double check my work. And she begins chalking out some, some kind of outline with components along the edge of the room let's see how helpful leslie is leslie uh, mostly absorbs your writing doesn't find anything wrong with it and then says wow this is really fascinating and sets about making some small notations on their own notes but you definitely impress the piss out of leslie you get the impression they didn't know this was possible so what room are you setting up i'm going to do it in the governess's suite just because that is my private room. And while it's not convenient to have a lot of people come and go from that room, the spell will last for the duration of one day, and therefore I'm not going to set up a public room like the library or the study to have this effect. Okay, great. The governess's room is all set up then. The party can come together. Miev actually comes in from outside instead of her room. You see Carolina is with her. Riley is not. Leslie will be sitting in the corner reading through the letter that Selfa wrote for her, just sitting quietly. And does anyone do anything else before they arrive at your morning meeting? Jalen will stop by Jessica's room and put an ear to it and just make sure they're happily occupied. You hear Jessica say three times in a row, I like bananas. <laughs> and Iris seems to be just like, uh-huh, uh, okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, this tastes really good. It it looks a little overdone, but wow, it tastes good. <laughs> and Jalen having no context. <laughs> He's just going to back away and go to the governess's <laughs> She's like, I don't know what this is about. I don't know what's going on in there, but it sounds fine. My God. So yeah, the governess's suite is all set up. So you come in and can start your meeting. Miev takes out three sheets of parchment. That is very fancy, covered in gold scribbles, definitely not normal parchment, and hands all three of them to Silpha. Silpha, you are now holding three fairy birth certificates. With our names on them, I presume. Yeah, when you flip through them, there's Silpha Lunari, born of Hanzo Lunari, previously Hanzo Summerbreeze, and Vanessa Lunari. Actually, roll me nature before I move on from that one. So that is a nine. (laughs) Okay, Summer Breeze has no significance to you. You move on to the next one. 
It is for Jalen. There's no last name filled in. It just says Jalen. And it is between Kylan Evans and Gail Witherbranch. And you can roll me nature on that one. Oh, a natural 20 on that one. <laughs> Witherbranch is an autumn fey name. So it is not associated with one of the big courts. And it is very likely a wild fey name. And then the third one is for Sable Valeria Varathi Mirkwood. And it says between Valeria Varathi and Mirkwood. No first name, just Mirkwood. And you may roll nature again. Did so well on everyone else. That's a 16 plus a 7. Damn. 23. <laughs> Mirkwood is a winter court name. Sylpha is surprised to see her own birth certificate in this stack, and and then even more surprised to see one for Sable. So she will immediately hand Sable's certificate to Sable. What's this? A certificate of your birth between your mother and one of the winter court. She leaves it rolled up and sets it down on a nearby table and continues doing what she was doing, which was carefully unfolding a parcel that she had brought with her, a cloth parcel. So patently ignoring the thing that you just gave her, she unfolds this and, and lays out what's inside and says, I didn't find a lot, Silpha, but I did find some of what you asked for. The ghostling mushrooms, arum lilies, and hemlock. Oh, for Thalia, thank you. She will accept the, the parcel from Sable and is, I think, characteristically confused that <laughs> Sable has ignored this bombshell. <laughs> I mean, you handed it to her. She just looked at the thing in her hand, deliberately set it down, and redirected. Jalen's been watching Mia this whole time, and after Sylpha and Sable have their exchange, she's going to say, Lady Mia, did you know about all three of us? I suspected, but I did not know. No. All along? I don't know a great deal about how this works, but my understanding is that each generation within Fenrir can only have a certain number of changelings, and I am the last of my generation, and you were the first of yours. I guess Silpha was technically the first of yours. That would have made you the second. And there's never more than three. Why? One for each court? I have no idea. I don't know why it works or how it works. All I know is that I am one of them and that three more came along thereafter. Sylpha blinks and says, Are a changeling? I would have thought the time had passed to make your choice. Again, I don't know how this works. My father was really the knowledgeable side of the family when it came to fairy relationships. I don't have a great deal of information. We are in... Sylpha's dimensional space, right? No, we are in the private sanctum. You're in a new spell that has warded this room. You will have noticed when you entered it that there's some sort of barrier you shift through. Okay. Where, like, you, you cannot hear anything from one side to the other. She says the tree told us that the fairy queen has had a particular interest in changelings for the past 200 years. It didn't know why. 
And you told me that you might have some documents at your house or in your possession that might give us some insight into things like that. I might. I don't have great documentation, but I have documentation over the last hundred years or so. And I can tell you that most changelings disappear at some point. And I believe that Wendy, Blindy, and Glindy were two generations back, the changelings. They clearly chose Fae, but I have never been asked to choose anything. Three changelings a generation. I mean, is this part of an agreement? It seems very strange that the number three would be in place if it wasn't part of an agreement, but if it's an agreement, it's something truly ancient. Do you think Muriel was a changeling? Honestly, yes, I do. Did she suspect that we were changelings? I doubt it. That's not really the sort of thing Muriel would have cared about. She had no interest in fairies in particular. I suspect the third changeling from my generation was Gale Witherbranch, but I'm not positive. Did you know her? No. I don't believe I ever met Gale. Let's get to business. What happened in the Thorns? Well, when we arrived at our first destination, the Glade, we discovered that the Fairy Queen is sending an assassin after certain targets, and unfortunately, we weren't able to talk to Glindy because she had been assassinated. Her hut burned to the ground. I see. We gathered that the assassin's next target was towards the de direction of the crypt, and so that is why we sent you our message and headed there directly. All right. Glindy had been keeping, in essence, a pet vampire, Guire. <laughs> but, of course, now that she's dead, she wouldn't be able to come and feed him anymore. And he wasn't really able to feed himself, having sacrificed his arms to traps of a mason variety. I have written down in detail what we learned about the masons and their ancestry of vampires. It appeared that Sir Guire was slain by his own sword of wounding, and then the family turned him. Hmm. Fascinating. He had been in the crypt for decades, and we were able to speak to him. He told us that he was at the castle the day the thorns rose. He described rushing into the throne room to see a great number of, of wolves, and the king nowhere to be seen. I surmise from portraiture we saw in the Mason Crypt that, in fact, the wolf was the king. Hmm. There was some kind of ancient deal between powers. The king of Fenrir, the vampire lord Mason, and the fairy queen. But it's gone. This is, I think we killed Lord Mason. Along with a slew of other vampires that had been trapped for a while. And Guire himself. Wow. You have clearly accumulated a lot more power and skill than I anticipated for you to take out a vampire. He was... The thing was... <laughs> he was dead asleep. <laughs> he was inert. Something had caused one of the fey trees to stake him in his coffin. That's... that's very alarming. The fey trees were guaranteed neutrality by all three fairy courts. They're untouchable entities. Yes, it would appear a fairy commanded... Another fairy in their service. And did you find any more keys to the fairy gate? We did. This one. And Sylpha pulls out the clay top. Excellent. 
Excellent. She sets it on the bed and reaches into her bag and pulls out the stone crown and the stone eye and says, we're just missing a key and a hammer. Why do you think it is that you're the only changeling that hasn't been asked about the transformation, about choosing a side, human or fae? I suspect if I chose one side or the other, my mother could no longer possess me, and she would be without a vessel in this world. Why does she need a vessel in this world? She's not allowed to enter this world. So why don't you just choose human? Isn't it your right? I don't know how to choose, Jalen. I mean, I'm just me. No one's offered me the chance to choose anything. Would Mr. Lunari know? Maybe. I mean, is that something you want to do? I'm concerned my talent for magic will fade if I choose human, and I am concerned it will never grow again if I choose Fey. so I didn't really push the issue. Okay. There is still a living changeling who would know how to make the decision, or rather how to deliberately avoid it. That is the third target of this assassin. He's at the castle. There have been three attempts to get to the castle since the thorns came up, and all three have failed, and no one has ever returned. So, I'm hoping that we have what it takes to do what they have failed to do in the past. But I think the trip to the castle is too dangerous to leave to chance. Mentor will be very upset if we fail, or frankly if we succeed, but I will defy him and come with you. Mm. Well... Is that what we're doing next? I thought the purpose of our meeting and sharing information here is to determine our next course of action. I thought it would make sense to go to the castle next if we are, in fact, trying to waylay the Fairy Queen's assassin. There must be reasons for her targets. They seem to have information she wishes us not to possess. Also, the king is there. Yes. And alive. The king lives. I don't know if we covered that. The king is alive, Miev. Okay. Well... If we succeed and we bring him back, perhaps Lord Mentor won't get to have a say in my punishment. Or Yennefer? She probably knows very little about Yennefer at this point. They say, looking at both of you pointedly. <laughs> Miev says, I, I know almost nothing about Yennefer. The records indicate that she disappeared 220 plus years ago. and Yes, it would seem that Yennefer Varathy petitioned to enter the Feywild to be mentored in the art of politics by the Fairy Queen. Well, she must be very good at it then. And in exchange, we were told that she surrendered her heart, very literally. As in, they took it out of her and put it in a box in Fey, and she's barely human. She was described as playing the political game more ruthlessly than anyone in Fey. That is, uh, Extremely undruid-like of her, she must have been wildly desperate. While interesting information, I don't expect we'll have to worry about her for a number of years. She'll have to build up a power base. and She has already made an explicit display of power, as I understand, and perhaps Sable knows even more. It's good to know, because I have sworn loyalty to Yennefer, what kind of creature Yennefer is. Well... I suspect that you will find yourself in some tense situations, considering Yennefer is now the leader of the house and I am the leader of the Circle of the Moon. 
something she is not part of. Then I guess I am now loyal to two organizations. Are you anticipating that they are going to be in conflict? I don't know. Okay. I have a secondary concern for our consideration, and I think it is perhaps less important, but something is making a point of attacking the estates that dot the land of Fenrir. There was some sort of locust plague that hit my sheep last night. Nothing too major. Definitely lost some animals. Is that something I would know that is a potential druid spell? Yeah, you would know. Insect plague is a druid spell. I'm debating whether to report this to Lord Mentor. No lives were lost. Were livestock lost? Yes. I think you should report it. At this point, any houses that are not subject to attack will be under suspicion. I also think that if Mentor has been collecting as much information about the Fae and nature and magic and hiding it, that he might also know such a insect plague could be something magical in origin. And it might create problems. My concern is panic. With a full house virtually destroyed, a second house badly assaulted, major deaths at House Evans, the loss of the trees at House Verathi, now an assault on Miev. The Frikers are clearly next. This is getting out of hand. I intend to recall my champions to the house from Lord Mentor and set them on full guard. What do we know... Again, about the attack on the Drurys. Well, the rumor mill would tell us that some sort of great beast tore the side off of their cottage. Some sort of locust swarm that accompanied the beast made very short work of several people inside of the house. And in the morning, we found someone clawed apart in their bed, and it was Lorelei. There was a witness to that event, and they shared something disturbing about what they saw. I wasn't aware there was a witness. Nor should you be. This person described an impossibility and identified the attacker as being Byron Mason. <laughs> That's utterly ridiculous. In the land of Fetches, lady, is it that ridiculous? It's supposed to be weaker than humans. I don't know how they would be able to do something like this. Here's the situation. I would not put it past Yennefer, knowing what I know about my house and about its desires for power and Yennefer's own history of wanting to learn from the Fairy Queen herself. I would not put it past her to be creating this chaos. Certainly, even the rumors that I hear are suggesting that it is possible that Yennefer and the druids who follow her are behind these attacks. We can't prove anything, and I don't know it for certain, but... So she's causing problems and then solving them, like a pro-racketeer. That bitch, that was my idea. <laughs> and then inviting those who see the power that she has to come and join her and the other druids of the Circle of the Land at their full moon ceremony. That's devious. That's first-rate devious thinking. She has other things at play as well, but I don't think we have years. I think that Yennefer very deliberately chose to come now and take her power play. And so, if we agree to go to the castle right now, we are agreeing to let things play out here as they will. Well, if Yennefer is keeping Mentor busy, that might actually be something that would work in our favor. I mean, if he's got to concentrate on her, he's not likely to pay attention to what we're doing. If word gets out 
that no house is safe. All of the houses will recall their champions, and Lord Mentor will be left with a minimal, paltry defensive force. How violent do we think Yennefer is? She trained under the Fairy Queen. You tell me. And she has no heart. And if nature is red in tooth and claw? The Fairy Queen is known to consider herself a god of beasts and the beast behaviors of people. If she takes after the Fairy Queen, I don't think the Mentor family is safe at all. And I would have concerns about houses that don't have champions because they're not nobles. Like this one. Those houses would be sitting ducks. Now you see where I am going, Miev. So you want to do something about Yennefer now, Sable? I don't know if we can. She is quite powerful if she can reincarnate Lorelei, and quite ruthless if she is willing to tear her apart just to reincarnate her again. At this point, House Verathe will have cornered nature magic, with it being composed of Sable and the Circle of the Moon, and Yennefer bound to take over the Circle of the Land. She plans on that. She's going to use you. Miev kind of leans in and says, I think our first priority is the castle. Yennefer can't do anything to us if we're not in town. No, she can just do something to the rest of the town, and my house, and your house, and everyone else's houses. But it sounds like we're not going to be able to stop her. And if we tried, we would be calling attention to ourselves, and that might not be what we want right now. Well, what is our goal at the castle? We need to try to talk to this Drossel and see what he knows. We could try to locate the king, and, you know, if it goes really well, maybe he'll come back with us. And we need, I need to know what's happened to Kylan. May have what you want are the keys, right? If we can find the keys, we can reopen negotiations with the Fairy Queen. Is that your goal? It's the only option we have to get rid of the thorns. And what if she can't do anything? That seems outlandish. She's the Fairy Queen. Yes, but the thorns are a... A blight brought about by the breaking of an oath. That is, might be beyond her ken. That is nature itself taking a backlash. Especially if she's the one who broke the deal. I doubt very seriously the queen of the fairies broke the deal. I don't. She could have orchestrated the breaking of a deal. I don't know. Our goal in potential renegotiation is to understand what the fairy queen wants. Yes? and we need more information. If we were to head off to the castle and then be discovered, then someone could very well point to us as the reason for all the unrest going on. Hmm. There's also the consideration that if we take off with Muriel while a mentor agent is still on the property, that's going to be noticed. She's not quiet. Leslie will chime in. It sounds like the castle is all or nothing. We go, and we succeed. Or there's really no future for anyone. It seems less of a risk to try to stabilize the kingdom internally first. And Miev says, as much as I appreciate that perspective, Leslie, if we can do something at the castle, it will be the only thing that has been successful in the last hundred years to take any kind of steps towards this. It, it should be worth the cost. It should be worth being all in. Sulfa will say... If my understanding of the situation is correct, since there have been so many previous attempts to reach the castle before, 
it's not an endeavor to be taken lightly. Yes, it is all in, but we also must be prepared. In that sense, I would like to gather more information about what we may be up against there and what we hope to achieve. I'd like to collect more information about what is going on in town and how we might use that. Sable's absence at her house, if she intends to continue to be a part of it, won't go unnoticed. So I am sure she must at least, at face value, attend to some duties there. Leslie has been tirelessly working to create a cover for us, and she would normally be doing quite a lot of other things, I'm certain. So perhaps a break of a couple days. It would give me time to complete some obligations to my family and for us to prepare better. Jalen nods slowly and says, okay. And I want a little time to look into the world of the Fae and how they work with nature and find out whether or not trying to get to the Fairy Queen and ask for her help in any way with the thorns is a fool's errand. If she can't help us, what trap might we be walking into? All right, so we're going into town. Are we agreed that we can try to lay low and not call attention to ourselves if we can? Miev says, I insist that we set a time that we will head back into the thorns. If we wait for the right moment, there may never be a right moment. I agree on this. Why don't we say three days' time? Jalen will look at Leslie and say, do you know who Mentor's agent is on the Lunari property? Yes, Gunthry. He's here investigating reports that the Mievs and the Masons collaborated to build some kind of new weapon. Jalen looks at Leslie and says, do you think that's enough time for the mentor agent to get lost? Well, we could probably help him along by providing something that is clearly not a weapon for him to bump into. Mm-hmm. Carolina chimes in and she says, so I don't really have any authority to be discussing anything in this meeting, but I'm going to just throw this out there. As your security person, I guess I get paid to think this way. If these attacks are being perpetrated by humans or by creatures that aren't fairies, then the Masons are here with no defense. Yes. Yes, Carolina. Well, except the place itself is a defense, isn't not it? Not from because humans. Not from people. Okay, but there is nowhere else we can take them that will also be safe from the Fae, so... So we need to increase the security. Correct. I might be able to convince... Yennefer to send some. If we think Yennefer is behind this, perhaps opening negotiations with Yennefer will dissuade her from continuing, at least against us. All right. It sounds like we've agreed to a three-day delay. At the end of three days, we will meet here and we'll head into the Thorns first thing in the morning. Agreed. Yep. Okay. And that is the end of our show. Thanks for sticking it out with that one to the end. Our heroes needed to make a plan, and they had a lot of factors to consider. Special thanks to Todd Ferguson and My Pet Machine for our tunes, and Julie at Elaborate Flight of Fancy for our logo. You can find them both on Facebook. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Now, will our heroes succeed in their plans as the town spirals into chaos? Find out next time on Carrots and Suffering, a D&D Odyssey.
you used magic, which I think like is the equivalent of Febrezing everything just visually. <laughs> yeah, too, visual Febreze. Like, <laughs> you know, like you don't you don't feel clean. So it gets like this kind of strangely pitying look for a moment and tries to hide it. She's like, between you and me, I'm sure you already have the kind of muffin Myers is interested in. <laughs> I know, exactly! <laughs> he didn't mean these muffins. 